Gold Ot the Priyeshana do. Welcome, Gold and <laughs> Golden Gods and Goddesses. I was just so floored by that right there. I don't know what messed up the intro. Uh, we are live from Ireland. Just kidding. Uh, Golden Gods and Goddesses, welcome to the show. Rum, Ham, and Wild Cards, the only It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast with absolutely zero botched neck lifts. Congratulations, guys. Uh, so, my name is Brayden. I'm here talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with my best buddies here, Adam. What's good? Donnie. What's up, y'all? And on the phone with us today, as always, the dish of the day. Blueberry granola. Blueberry Ooh, granola. Yum. Could go for it's some... a specific flavor. Yeah I, yeah, I had that in my mind, yeah. Have you guys ever had You guys ever noticed how granola? blueberries uh, in flavorings don't taste like real blueberries? Sometimes. Let that Same with in. grape. Yeah, and Same orange. Same with grape. Not, none, of them, none of it ever <laughs> matches up. Yeah. And cherry. Except for like orange, kind of. Oh, yeah. I, I love orange yeah. flavored stuff. Not yeah. to get super that, deep on you guys. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Orange crush. Loving orange is about as bad as loving lemon lime. I hate REM. <laughs> yeah, I got my Sprite and I got my orange crush. Anyways, like I said, we're here today talking about the best TV show of all time. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. We are uh, talking about season three, episode three, Dennis and Dee's mom is dead, guys. It happened. Barbara croaked. Uh, but before we get started here today, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Always Sunny Pod for some great memes, some great polls, some great talk of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, all that good stuff at Always Sunny Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And our subreddit, our Always Sunny Pod, is where you can find the list of lists every episode that we have reviewed so far, ranked in order. Sometimes we post it on our Twitter and our Instagram. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Go to uh, YouTube.com and search Rumham and Wildcards. Check out some episode highlights. We got some fan theories that we've talked about highlighted and some weird little stories we've told over the past couple episodes. So uh, go check out our YouTube channel, Rumham and Wildcards on YouTube. And uh, yeah, the list of lists uh, and our stickers. We got stickers on GoGalBlogian stickers. I'm figuring out They're how to... They're very derivative. Very derivative. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how to set up a shop on Instagram and get that going. So I know I've been saying this for a few months now, but um, we're getting the merch coming so you guys can rock some rum, ham, and wild cards merch and get some stickers. And our listener of the episode today, rum, ham, wild card crew, uh, listener of the episode, Mason L. Gonna get you on GoGabLogan sticker there. We love you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And uh, so, yeah, let's get it going here, guys. Enough business. Dennis and Dee's mom is dead. Good. Season three, episode three. Time. Yes, for real this time. Jesus, Frank. Jesus, Jesus Frank. Jesus, Frank. Uh, this episode was released September 20th, 2007, written by Rob McElhenney, of course, and David Hornsby, Rickety Cricket. Yeah, he was the storyboard editor or something I saw. And we have another director. We have a new director, Matt Sheckman is here with us. Uh, Fred Savage was on the last episode. He's not here with us. Oh, he, I wish. That'd, <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be some fun insight. Mm-hmm. How are the Wonder Years? He is yeah. here, just, just not physically. <laughs> not physically. Um, let's just get right to you it just here. reference the Wonder Years? Yes, I did. Well, that's because Fred Savage is on there. We've talked about this on the podcast before. The episode that uh, the Dish of the Day missed, oh. that Blueberry Granola missed out on, oh. was the Fred Savage episode. But this is Matt Shankman. 
This is Matt Shankman directing this episode, which begins at 12 p.m. on a Monday. Guys, Barbara is dead for real this time. Your mother is dead. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice try. Very funny, Frank. I'm serious this time. She had a botched neck lift. She's as dead as disco. <laughs> Who wants champagne? Frank is obviously elated, and everyone goes to hear Barbara's will, and Dennis receives a house from Barbara. I want you to know that I hereby leave all of your money to Bruce Mathis, the real father of my children. What? What? Bruce Mathis? A handsome man with a beautiful soul and a nicer penis. You're giving all my money to that jerk-off? You know, Mr. Reynolds, I'm reading what's on the document. Why are you okay? giving it to him? I'm not hey, she barely even knew him. Yeah, I'm not giving any money to anybody, you see. I'm just reading what's on a will. Where is that rat bastard? Sir, I don't know. Because I want to smash his face until he's dead. Kill dead. Frank, we kill need to get about dead. Bruce. I want to give away all of our money. You know what? We should just move forward, okay? For my darling son, Dennis. Hmm? Presumably. Um, I give you my house. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, now it's starting to make sense. Read on. On the sole condition that Frank not be allowed in. I would never let him in. What? Deandra, yes. you get nothing. You were a disappointment and a mistake. A mistake? We're twins. I don't that know. That bastard how lawyer really screws them over. And we get the lawyer, our yes. second nameless character, side character in this show. He uh, joins in. So uh, Dee and Frank begin a scheme, uh, sorry, uh, a grift to get all of Barbara's money, which she has left to Bruce Mathis. Uh, Barbara does leave Dennis the house, of course, and Mac, Dennis, and Charlie try to turn it into a party mansion, which quickly becomes a nightmare mansion. What up? What up? We're three cool guys looking for other cool guys who want to hang out in our party mansion. Nothing sexual. Dudes in good shape encouraged. If you're fat, you should be able to find humor in the little things. Again, nothing sexual, underlined. Okay. Great. I have no problem with that. No, let's go meet some men. First of all, uh, yes, the lawyer is here. Let's talk about that. Brian Unger plays the lawyer, the second nameless side character in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You might know him from The Daily Show if you were watching back in 96, which is when a couple of us here were born, and um, how the states got their shapes if you've yeah. ever attended a history class ever. That's a good show. Great show. Yeah. Uh, so I think that scene the where they- The Louisiana Purchase. Is, that's a monumental episode, but we'll save that for our uh, Brian Unger podcast. Uh, I think the scene where they introduce the lawyer is freaking brilliant. Yeah, that's a classic scene. Everything that goes on, every beat they make is so funny and so well written. I think that was probably the best scene so far in the entire show. Yeah, it's up there. I remember watching that scene for the first time and just laughing so hard. I think between like Dennis sheepishly acknowledging his new house while like D and Frank are yelling at Barbara through the lawyer <laughs> and, and just his initial reactions to the gang. You know, we've, we've talked about a couple times, uh, these people that meet the gang at first, they're arguably like normal, like you can meet them in every day. And as they progress on, they either fight back harder against the gang, like the lawyer does and, and almost threatens Charlie with, gun violence at one point or, well, or no, he offers him a duel. A duel I mean, I it's, guess. it's very polite. You know, it's a very polite thing to do, I guess. Or they lean into it like cricket does. Yeah. I love how they just constantly blame the lawyer. Like it was his choice on any of this. And he just 
repeatedly. Tell like, that just... bitch it doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and again, she's dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you said, he starts coming back. Like he would never say that to someone. Like, yo, she's dead. Like, stop. Like responding like this. Like, <laughs> like, he already even starts to get that response to them, which you pointed out. But he just has to just repeatedly shove it down the throat. Like, I'm just reading the words off the paper. Like, I don't know any of you. I'm not involved in this. And yeah, that scene is one of my favorite. It is so perfect because they're all being like the straight man in in that scene. They're uh-huh. both, you know, you know what I mean, Raiden. They're both being like, like both parties, the gang, like Frank, uh, Dennis, and D are are genuinely serious on their end. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on, and they're or they're just fr- venting their anger. And See, the, and the lawyer's just being his no nonsense. Like, you guys are stupid. This is like I don't know how else to tell you this. It was, fun. and it's that that conflict that makes it more funny. Yeah, it was funny too, though, because D kind of acknowledges she's like, "We get it. We're just venting, blah blah." But then at the end, Dennis is like, "Thanks for the house, man." Yeah, like, I get it. Like <laughs> I, he doesn't I gave you nothing. Like, yeah. yeah, like he didn't acknowledge that it was like yeah. not him at all. Like he still was like, "The Lord just gave me this house." Yeah, it's like that scene when Charlie is like like nodding his head and like like laughing or something, and like you have no idea what we're saying, D. And it's like, yeah. No. Yeah, he's like, are you talking to me? Like, all that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. They have no idea. I don't know if they're just so delusional or what. That's uh, one of the one of my favorite bits that Charlie's ever done is the episode we get, uh, the wild card, yeah. bitches, is when they're saying, we are talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that cluelessness, that veil of cluelessness the gang kind of has over themselves constantly. Mm-hmm. That I, it's one of the Returning things I love. to that scene, they're mm-hmm. all on the same side, and then... Um, the lawyer says, one condition, you can't let, let Frank in the house. And Dennis is like, I will never let him in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, that was so good. It's, it's a really good scene. Um, another one of uh, my favorite parts of this episode, or maybe my least favorite parts, is the party mansion. Mm. Uh, and and really? Mac... And and Charlie and Dennis's whole plot line. Ernesto, I loved. I'll get to Ernesto later in this episode. But I'm talking specifically about the two guests they bring in, in the disguise that there is a party going on, and then they just straight up torture these poor gentlemen. Yeah, they hold them hostage, tie them down. Yeah, there's a there's a great Instagram account called Sunny Footy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna plug him here because he's gonna be on the show eventually. Uh, that combines. Uh, clips from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and dialogue from the show with uh, like commercials and movies and music videos. One of my favorite accounts on Instagram, I think some of the better original content that's made uh, for this show. I want to see Sunny Footy take like that scene where they're talking about shoving shit up the guy's asses. <laughs> Can't say that with a straight face. No. Um, and, and like turn into like a horror movie like why would you drop him off the roof dun dun <laughs> because we're your friends dun dun <laughs> i can see that i don't i don't know that instagram account but i can see that uh it, it's it's great cuz they justify again that's the gang classically justifying whatever horrible thing they're doing because Dennis is in pain from losing his mommy oh you know yeah but again like i like the idea that they're just Building their own fantasy spinoff show, mm-hmm. or they—they're kind of doing it in like a meta way. It feels like they're like, "What do we need? We need a this guy. We need that guy. We need this guy." Yes, they—they uh, they need a fat guy, but only if you can find humor in the little things. Yeah, <laughs> um, as long as you can find nothing sexual, nothing sexual at all. 
just a straight up house of horrors. Cause think of it from these guys' perspective. These two guys are on a college campus. These guys around their age, a little bit older, walk up and say, Hey, we got this party going on later tonight. You show up to the party and they proceed to shove beer down your throat and then throw your body off the roof while they're throwing knives at your buddy who's tied up to a chair. Which they were actually sorry to just like round with those in there. They were really good at throwing knives. Yeah, they were. They were. Really yes, they good. were. They were that was, so they good. Was, yeah, they were good. <laughs> they had a. I was like, yeah. I mean, they could have gone to jail for murder easily <laughs> yeah, if they weren't so close. confident. Yeah. That's, I'm gonna push back on that. I don't think they were good at throwing knives. I think they were trick knives from a magician. So the knives themselves were oh. good at being thrown. But okay, can you be really sure mm. that Charlie bought them from an actual magician? Well, he like said the magician gave them to him. They're trick knives, and then he yeah, had to explain yeah. that they really do work. They're real knives, as if trick right. knives mean that they're fake knives. Yeah, tell I thought me. that was a funny scene in the beginning, a little wide. So can you can you throw trick knives easier than blueberry granola? Is that what you're saying? Or are they justifying well, as, that it's easier to as throw? As a professional knife thrower, there's ah, probably yes. some homing, homing mechanism inside the trick knife. Of course. I feel like there would have Naturally. to be something also in the, the background. Maybe not. Maybe like, how else would the knife know where to go if it was just the knife alone? I don't know. I'll have to we look at oh, Google. So you're but... saying they faked the knife landing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first one and the next one. Oh shit! I am not going to openly admit to practicing witchcraft on the air. That, that I feel like that could be dangerous for me. As we're as we're slowly giving a lot of credit to this episode, uh, yeah, my yeah. score is not going to reflect that. So I do need to bring up something that did bother me and like kind of ruin Thank the you. episode a little bit for me Go is for when they show us knowing that Bruce Mathis, like eight, ten minutes in, whatever, knows what Frank and D are up to. Well, when he goes on the phone, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Like I wish just they would have left that out and just made us think that. We just make us assume that all right, he's not that stupid. He knows, but like, don't just straight up tell us because the ending would have been that much funnier when he's just like, "All right, congratulations, you, Frank. You just married your daughter." Well, like that wasn't a surprise. Like that wasn't funny to me at all because like I knew that happened. Like I knew that was coming at some point. Like they just told us point blank it was going to happen. I think that I don't necessarily agree because I think that in doing so and revealing that he knew who Frank was already and knew what their plan was or had an idea that they were up to something um, that set up the other things that Bruce was going to do in the episode, for instance, like um, uh, bring, um, bring those kids over to the, to the apartment, which I didn't like that scene really. I thought that scene was kind of boring um, or the scene when, um, when Bruce was uh, asking them to have to watch them have sex, that yeah. part was funny. And that, that part um, was best set up by him knowing that there was a, but scheme. that's what I'm saying also, is they could have had that. Sorry. The, the AIDS part. I think that once, like, obviously once Bruce saw Frank, he's just like, I'm going to say the word AIDS around him and see if I can get a rise out of him. So, like, I don't know. I think that it kind of set up a lot of the jokes and a lot of the funny parts in the show. Yeah. Even though I really didn't love the whole that part of the story as much as Party Mansion. Yeah, I mean, I think all of that could have happened. And like I said, we would just have to assume, like, mm -hmm. all right, he's doing this because he knows, not oh, because oh. he's a weirdo. I see. But, he could, but people kind of could have assumed, yeah. like, all right, this guy is weird, like... He yeah. really wants to know who his money's yeah. going to. I feel like some people would have believed it. I don't think I would have, but what, like, what frustrates me about about like um, that part of the episode was D was never like, um, no, I'm not going to let 
like my birth father watch me have sex. Like I, yeah, I don't yeah, know why she, she was okay with that. I agree. I don't know why she did that too. Why does she push harder on that? Bruce is just yeah. as creepy as yeah. the others. Well, I know, uh, yeah, no shit, but like, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I know he wasn't yeah, actually trying me. to watch anything, but, but like, like, that was a plot hole for me, and I'm like, I'm just gonna like let put this this you know this part of the story on hold, and I'm just gonna focus on Party Mansion. And what he is a marriage and family therapist, though. Yeah. So it makes it less weird and for we some know, reason. Not we really. know that people will do things when authority figures tell them to. Yeah, so, yeah. That part, thank you, Milgram. That part's true. Um, <laughs> on, on that note, it is weird that uh, Bruce uh, was going along with it, even though we know he he. He basically was calling their bluff. It's just everyone's calling each other's bluffs this this whole episode. And really, only yeah. the gang can't hold theirs up. No. Um, but I don't think the humor in this episode would have been exposing that Bruce knew who Frank was the whole time. I understand why you wanted that, Donnie, and why that would have made for a more satisfying ending. But I think a lot of the humor in this episode is the audience, us as the third-party viewer, knowing that Bruce is in on it seeing how far he can push Frank and D mm-hmm. we would have seen yeah. it anyways. If he was doing it, I guess it would have been creepier than if we wouldn't have known he was in on it the whole time yeah. until the end. Sure. Yeah. But maybe that's why <laughs> they showed that he, he was aware of Frank to, to try and make it less creepy and more, you know, I'm poor justified a little bit justified i don't know yeah i don't know either this is a weird episode it's a weird episode <laughs> uh I, I like when dean frank I move yeah. the grift along without saying anything to each other yeah like when he first implies that they should have sex together in front of Ugh. him they look at each other and just move along yeah. with the grift we're, we're doing it and then when they're in bed and he says and they say the whole marriage thing we're waiting for marriage he goes we could get married tomorrow they look <laughs> at each other and move the grift along without yeah. saying anything um, That's great. I sensed a lot of uh, improv, like uh, an improv class there. Sure. They were playing like improv practice. That's like one yeah. of the only times so far, maybe I wasn't paying attention the other times that I've noticed like, oh, this is classic. Like if you've taken an improv class, this is what they tell you to do. I think a lot of the cold opens are, or a lot of the original cold, cold opens were also improv. Like, at least that's the sense I got too. Yeah. I know what you mean though. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, um, I know we've been jumping back and forth between the A plots and the B plot on this episode, but I have written a little a little remix of the "What Up" flyer that the guys wrote. Um, so I don't know if, you, if if I don't know if you guys did the same, but um, you know maybe we could splice this out as a little promo for the show here. Okay, <clears throat> yeah. All right, here we go. You're just gonna have to imagine this on a on a penis looking bicep. What up? Oh, you're gonna keep the same shape. You're not gonna make it a new shape. If anything, we'll make it veinier. That'll make it look, you Vainier, know, more, yeah. more like a bicep. You yeah. want more, more of the like bicep, bicep look. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, what up? We're four cool dudes looking for other cool dudes, obviously not limited to dudes, that want to listen to us argue about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on our podcast. Nothing sexual. High scores encouraged. If you're a Friends fan, you should be able to find the humor in literally anything. Again, <laughs> nothing sexual. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Hi, <laughs> hi, high scores encouraged my ass. <laughs> high scores discouraged. 
Fuck you. You're a Friends fan. <laughs> if this is your first time joining us, we have yet to give an episode above an eight on this show. It really seems like we hate this show, but I promise we love it. It's oh, always it's sunny so in Philadelphia. Uh, um, Ernesto. Oh, Let's talk about Ernesto. One of the best what parts. What a transition. Ernesto. <laughs> I, he never made it on our uh, side tier characters, and I don't think oh, he's yeah. gotten very high on our uh, Golden God side tier character ranking because he's only there for one episode. He's like a. He, I think he's he's a foil for Charlie. He's phenomenal. Yes, I'm glad you guys bring that up too because the last point I did want to bring up is uh, I don't know that I think too much of it yet, but it is kind of interesting. Like, does Charlie have just now like a weird? love connection for D like when when that yeah. comes out is this where that came from where like yes. he connects to her on this pain level and like yeah they this they kissed this episode didn't they the next last episode yeah. Made of pain. Oh. well yeah made of pain. yeah literally like and then in the whatever episode <laughs> i forget they kissed later on and like they have sex it only last oh yeah, well, yeah they did that too but spoiler they, i think they happened like two or three different times yeah i mean whatever either way they have like three different like episodes per se like they're either falling in love or kissing or I guess in the next episode, it's like kind of betrayal, but whatever. There's a lot of betrayal that goes on to the next episode, but we're talking about this episode first. But Uh, yeah, you guys, um, I love the idea that Charlie, like Charlie is, he can't read. So he's begging everyone to like read the journal for him. And he finally gets Ernesto to read it for him. And And he can't break the lock. Yeah, we can open it later. <laughs> we can just we can we can just open it later. But back to Den, uh, sorry, D and Charlie's relationship. I think that's one of the more endearing things in in this show. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite parts of this show is uh, not only the characters stand standing alone, but how they interact together. Uh, it's like different chemical reactions. You know, you're going to get something completely different out of D when she's working with Dennis versus when she's working with Charlie. Versus, I do have a very pointed um, question, specifically at you, Brayden, uh, now that Donnie brought up this whole D and Charlie thing. Okay, so mm-hmm. knowing what we know, uh, Mac and D are married in real life. So um, I don't know if I'm breaking something to the fans here or whatever, but uh, our glorious leader is celebrating an anniversary with the love of his life. So would you be okay with one of your friends, let's say, mm, I don't know, Adam, um, on television, making out and pretending to have sex with your wife. What the hell kind of question is this? Okay. Uh, well, they're trained. They're <laughs> trained actors. Um, first of all, Rob McElhenney and Kaylin Olson got yeah. married a year later from this episode, September twenty seventh, two thousand eight. So, first of all, they weren't married at this point in it. Much much like the anniversary I'm dating. celebrating right now, they were dating or I guess engaged at that point. Um I, I feel like acting it's a job plus they don't like mac up. It's like huh, mac up. Uh, uh it's <laughs> it's just like one quick kiss the next episode. I don't know who is there anyone that would have a problem with this? You're living your dreams, you're making money. It's it's you play a character for an hour and go home. Yeah. Who cares? You're, you know, we see the awful things he does to D later in, yeah. in the well, show. He yells, I will put my thumb through your high bitch multiple times to her. There's, there's the and, character and the actor. And that, and, you know, to us, we only see that one brief moment when it's all put together. 
on the episode, but to them it's just like they it's it's one scene among many many other scenes and you know many other scenes that they film um, a lot. They have, to, they have to like you know practice it a lot, and they probably don't practice the kissing a lot or something. So it's like to them it's not much, but to us it is a lot because we only see it a little bit. We see it one so time. you would be fine with your friend making out with your girlfriend as long as it was on television. If we were professional. <laughs> if we were professional <laughs> actors, I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't, I can't really put myself in that position. Right, but were like, they that successful? I mean, they got signed or whatever, but like, were they already making that much money in season three? Yeah, I guess they probably were. I don't huh? know. I guess it's worth it. I don't know. I just, I just assume they're professional <laughs> actors. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. It's, it's a funny point, but yeah, no, they're. They're making bank. Yeah, they're. they're on a, no, on a, I can. Well, what I'm saying is, I can make out with your girlfriend as long as it's on television. None of that was stipulated. I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. That sounds like what. Are we're you saying. a professional actor on a hit television series on FX? X. Man, I'm trying to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're just trying to make out with your friend's girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> is is that how it goes? How does your girlfriend feel about yeah, that? Let's Hold call on her a up. second. Yeah. Whoa. Now that the listeners know way too much about all our personal lives, I'd like to give some <laughs> proper credit to uh, Ernesto. Ernesto. Back to Ernesto. that transition. Ernesto. Uh, Jose Enrique. Uh, and uh, so he's like one of my favorite parts of this episode. And that I just wasn't want... Antonio Banderas. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll show him some more love later when we talk about the quotes. But I could not leave the first part of this episode review without giving proper credit to Charlie's foil this episode. His, his soulmate of pain. Other than D. So let's move on to the second half of this episode. When we come back, we are going to put all our arguments on a scale of 1 to 10, mix them all up, play with our calculators a little bit, and uh, see what numbers we come up with and where this episode lands on the list of lists every episode ranks. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Now that we talked about talking about it, it's too late. But yeah, now it, we've gone too meta. Yeah. So I think we should just start the second half of this episode. Welcome back, Golden Gods and Goddesses. Brayden talking with Donnie, talking with Adam, talking with Blueberry Granola about season three, episode three. Dennis and Dee's mom is dead. Before we get back into it, just as a reminder, follow us at Always Sunny Pod on Twitter and Instagram for more updates and whatnot. I love a whole bunch of whatnot. Alrighty, let's start it out here. We have five categories if this is your first time joining us, or if you need a little reminder. We talk about the story in this episode, we talk about the characters, the quotes, the overall humor, and the wild card. We can give up to 10 points each for each category, for a total of 200 points between the four of us, yada yada yada, a bunch of boring math. Let's start it out with the story of this episode. What'd you guys think of the story of Dennis and Dee's mom is dead? I thought it was good. I thought it was classic. I mean, they had the two storylines, like the money from Mathis, like from Bruce, and then the the mansion party. I was like, what was the other second part of that? Yeah, the mansion party. So I guess those are the two storylines. I mean, they do collide at the end once again. They're obviously getting married at the mansion where they're having the party and the 
two people are there and they try and run and leave at the end. So like it was classic. It was good, but like I didn't find, I didn't get too much out of it. I didn't give it that much credit. I don't think it was an overly complex story, yeah. but um, this is one of those plot lines that when you say it out loud, really encompasses the show. A man and his illegitimate daughter pretend to be married so he can inherit his ex-wife's fortune. I don't think they're illegitimate. I think that they're step or adopted, right? That that wouldn't be adopted. That's an illegitimate child when your wife stays married to you and has a kid with someone she had an affair with. That's an illegitimate child. Oh, you're talking right, right. I was confused who you're talking about. I don't think it's <laughs> I was talking about Dean Frank. Yeah, the yeah. legitimacy or illegitimacy of children. Who do I look like, Maury? <laughs> Who are you to decide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Jerry Springer. <laughs> so, uh, Blueberry Ganola, what did you think of the story? I give it an eight um, because solid plot. They gave me that sweet wraparound and the M. Night Shyamalan level twist at the end with uh, Bruce Mathis filming Dennis saying, oh, you let Frank in the house. By the way, is that something you think you could stipulate in a will? Like you lose the house if you let this person in? You think that can be done? Uh, yes, I would just say that it would probably, in most cases, be almost impossible to prove, unless yeah, obviously security cameras, or obviously in this case, just straight up handing the camera and you personally record you being there. I we think sh- there would have to be legal precedent to stipulate that in a con- in a in a contract. For instance, I think there would have to be. What law school did you go to? Um, I, <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I was just you know going to say. I, I'm sorry I, for asking the question. I forgot we're all trained. You know, I lawyers. used to be a, a I, I used to clerk known. for a lawyer. Oh, okay. For lawyers. Um, but no, then what but, happened? But I think that I think if you have like a like a <laughs> if there's any legal precedent like a restraining order or some like some charges on the person, I think then you could stipulate that. But otherwise I don't think you could just tell a random person. I don't know. There's only one way to find out. Yeah. You could try (laughs) guys. Let's all write our wills together. That would have been a fun project to do for this episode. Yeah. Everyone. I'm not ready to write a will. We all write our wills and then read them on the podcast. I'm sure that's what they want to hear. All I have to myself is just like the guitars that I bought. And my PS4. I don't know. I'll say, I see you on PlayStation lying. a lot. I'll take your PlayStation. I, and my PlayStation. Yeah, I'll but take that. I see you on PlayStation. Two yeah. PlayStation. <laughs> Two PlayStation. Um, eight out of ten as well for me on the story. Wow. I agree with the dish of the day. Eight out of ten because Dennis and Max plot honestly scares the crap out of me just because of how absolutely ape they go in this episode. So um, I like it. Not going to give too many points for it because, like I said, it kind of scares me. But Frank and Dee's plot line in this episode, like I said, it's so unthinkable that it's just almost perfect. So uh, between those two, I averaged it out to an 8 out of 10. Um, and then uh, I especially love when Bruce calls him out at the end and takes away Dennis's house. Um, and bonus points for Ernesto. Mm. Ernesto and Charlie's plot line. Uh, I know Ernesto's a character, but Ernesto and Charlie's little... Uh, jaunt they go on yeah i had originally given it a five but uh you guys convinced me a little bit so uh, i'm gonna jump up to a seven hey. ma- mainly mainly for the classic uh <laughs> wraparound i almost said reach around the classic wraparound so there you go for blueberry whatever you are granola <laughs> reason prevailed yeah for me i gave it a 6.5 for the story because um i think it's a good setup you know mom's dead um, let's celebrate. It's hilarious because these people Good suck. Up. Mom's dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but I, but I, and I like the party mansion part. I like the the even smaller story with Charlie and Ernesto. But I really don't. 
I don't like the Bruce Mathis side of the story until the end when they comes together and he, he like you know tries to um, you know conduct their wedding and then he takes the camera and he runs off and kicks them out of the house. That part was good, but I don't like the part when when D and uh, Frank are trying to shack up and, and scheme. I, I've never felt right. And I, what I don't like about that part, I don't like when D doesn't step step up and say, "No, you're my birth father. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you watch me have sex with." With my her need lover. for her want for the money, her not need her want for the money is greater than her sense of right and wrong. I know she. Let's look at the people she surrounds herself with. Um, but yeah, I gave it a six point five out of ten for that one. Okay, yeah, it's not a bad score, but yeah, I'm surprised you expected more from them. But no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so it sounds like we're all kind of in the same ballpark around like a six and a half to eight. Um, let's move on to the characters. That's exactly what it sounded like, Braden. What? 6.5 to 8. 6.5 <laughs> to 8, yeah. yeah. Uh, characters. I give a 10 out of 10 for this episode. Holy shit. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, everyone is just about perfect. Just about. I had it at a 9, and then I remember that we get the lawyer in this episode. And Ernesto was pretty great, so I had to give a bonus point between the mm. two of them. Uh, I think when Charlie connects with random people, like he just finds Ernesto <laughs> at the sporting goods, when he connects with people, that's just one of my favorite things. Like when he has the relationship with that girl in that uh, one episode that slipped in my mind, uh, that's when I love Charlie. I don't yeah. need to explain again how awful Frank is or how desperate Dee is in this episode. Dennis and Matt go off the rails in the name of ma- uh, masking Dennis's pain. If you could call it that, quote unquote, uh, and again, bonus point for the lawyer. So ten out of ten. Was that a sporting goods store? What the fuck type of store was that? It sold weights and clothes and crossbows. <laughs> Sounds like a sporting goods yeah, store. Yeah, today yeah. we learned that the dish of the day has never been in a sporting goods store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Picture Hold on, now. they have like whole home gym sets at big sporting goods. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have literally. Really? Some are better Anything. than others, obviously. Like they used to smaller sell, dicks like isn't gonna have everything in stock, but they used to sell guns. Of course they're gonna have crossbows. <laughs> I said oh, smaller no. dicks. Oh, smaller dicks. Anyways. Uh I don't know. Yeah, I mean I was already pretty generous with my score with the characters. Uh I will bump it up one point for Ernesto. I had originally it was a seven, but I'll go to an eight. Hey, because I do love all the characters and Ernesto and the Jew lawyer. Stay tuned. We're gonna get Donnie up to a perfect ten out of ten for this episode. We'll just convince him. Um, I gave it a nine. I thought that uh, you know everybody was pretty on par. It wasn't like super screaming character e to me, so I wouldn't give it a ten. Okay, I'm giving it an eight. Uh, No, you guys said it all. Yeah, it's good. You know, I don't know if it's a ten yet because um. I, I have tens out there for my characters. I do, but not not yet. I got a question for you guys here. Is is Bruce Mathis just as much of an asshole as the rest of the gang? Hear me out on this. He acts like he is the moral high ground, and I understand he's done some charity stuff and he's asserted himself as charitable. charitable but we've seen in real life that there are people that just because they assert themselves as a philanthropist does not make them a good person. Yeah. A philanthropist? This is the... Yeah, full on rapist. Yeah, well, this is the only show I watch. But what's that show uh, 
We're like the the dude's a killer, but for good reasons. Dexter. There you go. Dexter. So like, I feel like he's trying to be like that. Like, yeah, he's trying to punish them and trying to make a point and prove them wrong and make them learn. But like, I think he truly thinks he has good intentions and like he kind of does at the end of the day. Like, he didn't do anything that bad. Like, I guess trying to screw them over doesn't necessarily have good intentions. But like, it shows he's dude, as petty as them, and he's yeah. he's definitely uh, susceptible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he, susceptible. Or I mean, yeah, he's he their father. Yeah, he's their he, father. He's the one choosing. I think, like you said, he's choosing to say like, "Oh, they don't deserve this. I get to decide that. I'm their father." Like, because the the quote unquote good thing to do if he was like the whole whole good guy would have been just to call them out right away, call Frank out on his crap right away, and then just cut him off. Yeah. And then if he really was trying to like influence them, like really or, try and get them instead, to change and try and actually commit to that. But yeah. Yeah, because he's just as petty like Adam said, he asserted himself as the punisher. And he still plotted. Or maybe yeah. he's worse. I think and he, no, maybe he's worse and he's better than Dennis because he's like he's able to like do all the schemes that Dennis could do. And pull it off because he's he comes off as like a better Ooh. person. That's why he had that affair with so. Barbara, you know, and made these kids, you know. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't no. know. Maybe maybe everything is a long con for. Maybe that's why he was so good. At, it's a at, long con. Maybe he. It's maybe, a long con. Maybe that's why he was so good at duping them this episode. Yeah, I don't know. He's he just, just smarter. Wanted Frank's money. Also, what, what's what's more vomit-inducing, Bruce Mathis or that goatee? <laughs> a goatee was pretty bad. All right, yeah. yeah. Um, the only way to beat a narcissistic sociopathic asshole is to become a narcissistic sociopathic asshole. Well, he sired them. You know. I mean. You know. I mean, yeah. I've been watching the past five years of American politics. <laughs> um, I did think that was interesting when he said Frank turned them into monsters, and when we spoke about Barbara in uh, the Save, 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 Save the Children episode, we all pretty much agreed that Barbara had her hand in turning them into monsters as well. So I thought yeah. that point was interesting, too. Barbara's a bitch. <laughs> Do, sorry, sorry, was, she was. Barbara, was Barbara always like that? Because then... Um, because she had to get with Bruce at some point. And if Bruce was a good person, then I don't know. He wouldn't have associated himself with Barbara. I'm just confused how Bruce Mathis and Barbara Reynolds ever he's got together in the first place. He's a con. He's he's a con. I guess that's that's the official canon fan theory that we're going with here. Can a fan theory be canon? I don't know. No. But, but this Literally is a fan can't. theory we're going with. Bruce Mathis is just as manipulative as the rest of the gang <laughs> in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Is Lutherism can- canon to Catholicism? Sorry, that's a joke. That's a, I don't know if that was an <laughs> offensive joke. Wrong audience. <laughs> Let's move on to the quotes. Um, quotes. I didn't find many. Having said that, there are a couple great scenes in this episode. There's a handful of great scenes in this episode that um, just make me laugh, but nothing really one-off that stands out. Liberal Yahoo. That Liberal Yahoo's pretty good. I think this is the first use, no, of Liberal Yahoo. That yeah, um between that and Frank saying that Hillary Rodham Clinton hates freedom, I think we're starting to see Frank's uh political views a bit more. I'm going last on this one. I'm gonna see what the rest of you guys have, see if I have to change my score or not. Um no like no like specific lines, but a lot of stuff that leads into humor. The, the humor category, but I guess I, I like it when they're all shouting Dooley and like Dooley killed himself. And Dooley uh, killed himself. Dooley! Um, or nothing I sexual that, is the classic. Nothing sexual. Nothing sexual. I wrote down that I whole think, scene, yeah. 
I think that entire scene where they're trying to find another friend uh, belongs more in the sort of characters yep. category because they go through each friend basically and they're like, oh, here's how we've screwed all of them over so they won't hang out with us. I banged. His sister. Oh, man. She was gross. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. He says. Um, and then Frank freaking out about the AIDS. Yeah, what that kind one, of he's shit like, is that? Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go berserk if he tries to give me AIDS again. That's one I wrote down. Now, that's funny. Don't that's a funny break, one off. Don't break character. And then immediately. Yeah. <laughs> he's the worst at it. Um, all my favorite one-off lines are from Ernesto in this episode. I shall use this crossbow to pierce my broken heart. Yeah. And uh, she is your soulmate of pain. Just the way everything with him is a telenovela. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I love we're, Ernesto's and, lines. And we're sure, we're sure that's not Antonio Banderas. Positive. <laughs> so sorry. I, I don't know. Sorry, Blueberry. I don't know what about am I? That. I don't know about Anyways, that. Uh, another one that I enjoyed was uh, when Charlie comes up and he's like, You should have seen how passionate he got when I showed him the dick flyer. You, you knew? knew that it was a dick? Well, yeah, that we changed it. I th- <laughs> like, that's technically a quote, but yeah, I would put that more into like characters or humor, but. It's, it's more masculine cool. anyway. Yeah, that's what he said. He's like, I thought we just changed it up. I thought we were going with the new look or whatever. All right, so I'll move my quotes from one out of 10 to four out of 10. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Frank. Frank. <laughs> Jesus, Braden. Jesus, Braden. Jesus, Braden. Jesus, Braden. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep my guys? score right at a five. Yeah, that's where I am too. I I gave it a six. Ooh. Okay. So so Blueberry Ganola likes this episode. You got any more quotes that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, I mean that whole lawyer scene is packed full of quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell you tell the lock thing. Also, I thought that was really quick. You have to be paying attention to catch it, but it was really funny. Yeah, we can read this diary. Oh, it's got a little lock on it. If you've ever seen one of those diaries with a lock on it you can break it open just by hitting it with a closed fist and he's like well, we can open it later <laughs> we can come back to it uh we'll charlie, come back to it. charlie day is really good at those improv lines like um a few episodes ago uh when he picks up the receipt machine now what do you do like that what was improv it's <laughs> really good stuff in there tell that bitch it doesn't make sense so yeah. we got we got fours, fives, and the and the six. Yep. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of the humor in this episode definitely comes within the characters and the story. Uh, not necessarily going to be quoting it to your buddies at the bar there. I think it's observational humor. I think you have to find humor in the little thing. And that's the way it is with a lot of David Hornsby written episodes. I've noticed it's either it's either you got to kind of have some background knowledge on sort of like something a bit obscure. Like he's a really good writer. I'll just mm-hmm. do a little David Hornsby plug. He's one of the better yeah. best writers the show has. Oh yeah. Um and and this is a good example of his his writing that it's observational and and not necessarily like I don't know how to say it. like when when tr- the gang is writing for the gang it's like when uh you know, someone understands you really well. They understand these people better than anyone else. David well, Hornsby's just good at manipulating them around. Well, it helps that he he plays a character on the show. You know, it helps that he's part of the gang. He's not part of the gang, but he's part of the show in, mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as an actor and a character. So I think he gets another, a different perspective and a, a different point of view on the show uh, from that 
I argue a better perspective, better. a better point of view. I don't know. Different too, but yeah, better. Different, yeah. yeah. That's my argument for it. Uh, yeah. He so, plays Rickety Cricket in case we have to say that again. One more time. Yeah. David Hornsby is played by Rickety Cricket. Wait, other way. Other way. Reverse. This is what I was trying to pull apart with that whole kissing your girlfriend thing. Who's really playing who? Is the character playing the character or is the person playing the character? I don't know. Cha-cha, real smooth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, overall humor of this episode. What do you think, guys? Uh, I I gave it a, a 7 out of 10. I think this episode uh, suffers from uh, a trope that we've mentioned before that I'm going to start using until everyone gets annoyed called NASTA, the North America. Not yeah. as funny, second time around. <laughs> not not as parts. Not as funny second time around. NAFTA. 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 Not as funny second time around. NAFTA, not to be confused with NAFTA. It's like a New Yorker saying NAFTA. NAFTA. I think there are the whole Bruce Mathis knowing about it was not as funny the second time around that we mentioned at the beginning. The lawyer scene was definitely as funny the second time around. That yes. will always mm-hmm. be funny. Yeah. Yes. So I think um, maybe we can look at, we can compartmentalize parts of this episode and say, well, you know, this wasn't funny the millionth time we watched it, but this this definitely was. So I gave it a seven. I had a score for the overall humor that was higher than yours there, Blueberry Granola. So because you gave yours a seven, and I don't sound like I enjoyed this episode as much or more than you did. I will meet you at that seven as well. I will say my overall humor is a seven. Uh, It's been proven that these characters really have their niches now and uh, what the writers are willing to do to exploit their niches for some really great sadistic humor. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Seven out of 10. Good. I loved it when I love it when the plan comes together. (laughs) Yeah. I gave extra credit towards the characters and story. So I'm going to stick with my six. Cool. I gave it a 7.5 for the humor because um, you know, uh, rewatching it, it was a lot funnier than I had always remembered, to be honest. And that 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 made that made me want to boost it up to a point five. So a seven point five. Ah, 5. so you thought this episode was Asta as <laughs> funny the second time around? Well, I th- I, I think I think uh, I think I think the biggest the biggest part of the episode the the biggest shock of the episode the cold the cold open when he comes in and busts through through the through the bar and he has the champagne like your mom's dead. That is not shocking. This after I've seen the show and seen this episode so many times. Um, so that part is nafsta. Well, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be shocking because it's the second time he said that to them. The first episode yeah, we meet Frank, that too. he says your mother's dead. It's like one of his first lines. Yeah. But you know, the first time that I've seen these episodes, I don't think I watched them in order, you know? Okay. Know. Yeah. Um, sevens and sevens and a halfs and a six Seven and point. a six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Can I can I say one scene that I thought we didn't talk about, but was really funny when they're Please. handing out the no. when they're handing out the flyers and Mac is talking to the guy who's like obviously not into it, and then Dennis comes over. He's like, "I just had this blonde guy just slip through my fingers," and and <laughs> he would have been perfect <laughs> for you. <laughs> and like the guy is so turned off by it, and he's like, "No, I'm good." Uh, I yeah, that whole scene is so cringy. You know what's cringy? Yeah. That is pretty cringy. I gave it six letters of sexual out of ten. Sexual? Is that what is that what it says on Frank's butt? 
<laughs> Does it Nothing say sexual? sexual? Oh, sexual. Okay, I'm gonna play off of that. On Frank's butt in the sweatsuit says sexy. That's four letters. Sexy. So four out of ten. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, NASTA because that's I normally try and use that into my wild card score. So this episode wasn't as funny the second time around. So I chose to give it uh, three people that showed up to their mansion party. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking four adopted children out of ten. That was my, that was my original one. And then That's when I re- when I rewatched it, I saw it said "sexy" on Frank's butt, and I laughed so hard that I'm like, oh, I got to change it from four adopted children to four letters of "sexy." Oh, that's classic. Uh, I'm giving it an eight out of ten for the wild cards. Eight out of ten throwing knives that I okay. saw. Okay. Yeah. Eight oh, throwing yeah. knives. It's because that I yeah. saw. I heard, I saw, I I laughed. I put in work to this podcast, but not that much work. (laughs) (laughs) We watch each episode once and we record. I'm just kidding. You can uh, watch while we record. (laughs) That would be fun. I wonder if that would be something, uh, Wildcard Crew, let us know. Would would you guys be down for like uh, viewing nights? Like we could start our Twitch channel. Finally, I know we've been meaning to get into our, our Twitch streaming. We could even just YouTube Heavy live sarcasm it. on that. Oh, yeah, okay. YouTube live on it. But I don't know if there's interest in that. We can all get together in this in this quarantine that we're all still in for some reason and uh, watch some Sunny together. That could be that could be a good time. Maybe we finally have an excuse to start that Patreon. Just kidding. Not gonna make that joke again. <laughs> That's another thing. When I mentioned my sarcasm doesn't travel well over Mike, episode two, we were making that joke about uh, supporting us, uh, like with the monthly like Patreon thing. On episode two, I, I never realized like just how that joke didn't go over. I digress. I, digress. I don't remember. Yeah. I know we mentioned Audible multiple times in the beginning. Audible too. <laughs> that was- Audible. This show was really weird. (laughs) This is a weird podcast. Um, Dude, speaking of being sponsored by Audible, since we're already on this, and this is random as hell, I watch a bunch of the uh, David Dobrik uh, YouTube videos, and uh, he does with Josh, Drake and Josh, Josh Peck. I'm pretty sure half of his videos are sponsored by Audible. Dude, they'll give a sponsorship to anyone, though. Yeah, Yeah, because we were first starting out a podcast, and we were like, well, maybe we can get a sponsor. Oh, Audible will fucking sponsor ISIS. (laughs) Is that that how we got to there? I don't. I must not remember that. Jesus, Jesus, Frank. We can get sponsored by uh, Wolf Cola, the official beverage of Boko Haram. (laughs) So after burying all of our scores deep, deep down to the ground, and then digging them back up while the earth is still soft, we have come to our average score that we will place onto the list of lists. But before we get to that, let's see what the fans of IMDb think. The Internet Movie Database has been what we have been using to go off of fan rankings so far. 8.3 so out of 10. Yeah, 8.1. Hmm, 7.5. So we got 20 entries here. This is in the middle at an 8.4. Mm. 8.4 is what the fans give it. Only 2,000 votes. Only 2,000, so a bit on the lower end as far as episodes that receive recognition. We've noticed that um, the top episodes, Mac Bangs, Dennis's mom, and Dennis and Diego on welfare, have received almost three thousand votes. So um, yeah, I guess more love for the episode equals more reviews. Let's talk about what we gave it here, Donnie. Out of out of twenty, this is number fifteen on your list. You gave it a five point eight. 
Blueberry uh, granola. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Keep oh, going. No, sorry, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, I started with a five, so that ended up pretty generous. Yeah, you guys convinced me all the way up from a five to a 5.8. Oh, it's a solid yeah. work on your guys' end. Reason will prevail. <laughs> uh, so the dish of the day, blueberry granola here. This is number three, right behind Charlie Goes America all over everybody's ass and the gang gives back. This is a 7.2, number three for the dish of the day. Myself, it's uh, right in the middle of my list. I gave this episode a 6.6, right beneath Charlie Has Cancer and one above our previous episode we reviewed, The Gang Gets Invincible. So 6.6 for me. And Adam, Adam hated this episode. He gave it a 7 out of 10. This is, <laughs> oh, wow. this is number Worst 15. Episode. Yeah, <laughs> number 15 on Adam's list at a 7. Keep in mind, Adam's lowest score is a 4.6, which is... Uh, which is uh, actually that's that's lower than my low score. So actually, I can't talk. No, maybe I'm the one that gives unreasonably high scores. All I mean, together, yeah, we both ranked at 15. So guys, all together, it comes out to a 6.6. So I got the average here, 6.6. It's number uh, 11 on the list of lists, which now has 20 episodes, guys. Nice, smack dab in the middle. Number 11. It's uh, Dennis and Dee's mom is dead, uh, with a three point. Sorry, uh, 6.6, right below Mac Bangs, Dennis's mom, and right above the gang runs for office. Nice. So, so what do you guys think? I good. I, I think I agree with the scores. I like them. I had higher hopes for season three so far. I thought we might have seen, uh, seen something higher up. So far, the highest season three episode we have is The Gang Gets Invincible, and that is missing a score from the dish of the day. So stay tuned and subscribe. It's not going to be very high. I don't like football or Rudy. Oh, yeah. So that that score is going to be going down probably. So uh, subscribe. Stay tuned because at the end of this season, we're going to get caught up on all the scores that we are missing from the dish of the day. And um, yeah, it's going to be exciting stuff. Season three starting out pretty strong, you guys. Uh, I really hope that we can get above an eight. We still haven't gotten above an eight for any episodes. So stay tuned and subscribe on Google uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, all, you know the whole list. Does Audible have podcasts? They do. Sick. They do, but we're not sponsored by them, so I'm not going to plug them. We'll, we'll be on there eventually. <laughs> we'll get around to it. Rumham.transistor.fm is where you can find all the links to listen. And the uh, list of lists, again, is on our Always Sunny Pod, so go check that out. Guys, we got another great episode review coming up next week. We are reviewing Season 3, Episode 4, Gang Gets Held Hostage. We're going to get some McPoyle action. It's going to be an interesting time. So get ready for that, and we will see you guys shortly. Wild Cards is produced, directed, and edited by me, Braden Pleggenkuhl. Donnie Crunkleton is our associate producer. This episode was written and hosted by me, Braden Pleggenkuhl, Donnie Crunkleton, Adam Rothbort, and the Dish of the Day. 